Raisin Man Arena. What's up, Raisin Man Arena? It's your hosts, Sarah Wilson, Fully Bidipoy, and Sam Lanier. Hello. That's right. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Raisin Man Arena. Sarah's back after yeah, weeks back. of COVID. I'm back. Yeah. That's it. Sarah, you know, I wasn't going to push you, but, you know, the incubation period's five days now. That's what people are, are <laughs> saying who don't want to have to stay in their house any longer, but it's not that clear. No, Not that true. I really want to get into the details of it, but I do feel like I wanted to stop being yes. quarantined. And I was like reading the CDC page and it was like, you could be negative or clear after five days. It could be up to 20 days. Like, just strange. I yeah. don't know. I don't think it's based on science. I think the CDC is just it's like... based on a vibe. Let people live. Let people live is right. Is right. But, but thanks for not push- putting pressure on me because I don't uh, like that. I know. I know you want to. I want to stay on your good side. Ooh, when you're on Sarah's bad side. That's right. The text, the text responses stop coming. That's right. You say <laughs> your f- friends you didn't even, who you hadn't even talked to start saying like, hey man, what's up? Or it's mm. fucked up that thing you said about Sarah. She kind of wraps an entire net around <laughs> the social world and That's poisons right. the well That's of right. every, every That's friendship right. you have. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it ended. It ended up being okay that Sarah wasn't at the last episode because we did one of the one of the flyest. It was like one of the best, just the two boys episodes. Yeah, I keep hearing that. What's that about? Who do you keep hearing that from? You. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was. It was the episode was heat. Okay, episode was heat. I heard from Matt that you guys roasted him and that I needed to. that I needed to get involved. Matt told you about that? I got a DM from Blizzard that Bro. he got roasted last episode. What's up, Sean David Morgan? First time listener. First time viewer. And I'm say. seeing that Sean David Morgan is using a, a funny emoji. And this is a good yeah, time to remind you that if you're in the Twitch, we have little Raisin Man emojis. And I'm going to like post them on here. And I, I do want to hear what you're about to say, Sarah. But I just want to show everyone the little Raisin Man emojis. He didn't know emojis. if I was even going to about to say anything. You were about to say how hmm. Matt was sad that we were roasting. Oh, yeah. That's right. So check it out. If you're check in the Twitch, you're, emojis. you're seeing little Raisin Man Arena emojis. So I just want to acknowledge that that happened. And that I saw the note that I got from Matt and that I acknowledge. And I'm holding space for that. Um, on the podcast, though I don't know, I missed the part where you. He called him Matt. a fruity dresser. But I said it. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I said and it with. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff we get up to. Whoa! It's just whoa! The I said it with admiration. I wouldn't have said it if it wasn't if I didn't like how he dressed. I really like how Matt dresses. And so fruity. He's you're reclaiming the word fruity. <laughs> yeah, something. Who <laughs> are you reclaiming it? Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was cool. We talked about politics and stuff. Hey, know. did you? Is there more coffee that I can have, Sam? Uh, I haven't made the second pot, pot yet. So what's Sarah drinking? From Sorry. the old pot. From this what? is my cup of coffee. From the old pot. So you gave her the old pot, and the old pot's done. Old pot's done. And why pot. were you gonna make a second pot? Why? Yeah. You said I haven't made the second pot. Oh, why haven't I made the second pot? Or no, why were you going to make the second pot? What? What is going on? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Everyone would want coffee. What? <laughs> it's for people that have coffee, bro. bro. Like right now, you're <laughs> asking for it. That's why you would have made it. But do you yeah. see what's funny about that? I said, no. <laughs> everyone's everyone's had coffee. Funny. Everyone's had coffee. I asked you, what is there going to be more coffee? You said, I haven't made the second pot yet. As if you assume that I would want coffee. He makes it like a, in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like during the show. In 10 minutes, whatever. Yeah. 
But didn't you say, can I have a cup of coffee? Did you not say that? I said, is there more coffee? I don't know what I said. Oh, is there more coffee? That <laughs> means you coffee? want some yeah, coffee. I'm trying to get Sam. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to trap Sam. You trap yourself. Yeah. No, he said it in a weird way. <sighs> no way. Trap. Of <laughs> you can you can, you can, can listen back to the tape and you'll see Sam said it in a weird <laughs> way. <laughs> that made no sense. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Wow. Yeah, bro. I I got a cup of coffee. There's there's no way I'm falling into either one of your tricks this morning. I'm so jealous to watch you both drink it, and I need Aww. more coffee. Wow, but you came in so strong. You did a funny little hello bit where you said hello in a funny way. Hello. And I said Felipe's on. Yeah. He's bringing heat. Yeah, yeah. I guess I am on. Felipe, <laughs> you look like a seven year old. Really? I think I look kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing like little black shorts, little short shorts, and then this dressy shirt and then yeah, your hair is all combed cute. and slicked and back his hair is combed it's true <sighs> a voice for t- uh, a face for television i'd say not a face for radio no it's true <sighs> yeah and here we are making radio yeah. so sarah what do you think about what what did your your fucked up mind get up to in all those days during in quarantine? The covid i'm sure there is you went through v- vicissitudes of wanting to end your life that's right wanting a jubilation <laughs> and that's stuff right like that. <laughs> yeah i have one new idea but i don't want to talk about it right up at the top but i'll talk about what i did when i had covid i watched bridgerton i tried to watch reality tv but i can't tell like if i've like watched too much of it or if it's just like not what it used to be i just can feel you know how reality tv is really only like half real and it's half like the producers come up with kind of like an arc for the season sure. and they like let people know in this scene we kind of need you to do this and they make people get together who wouldn't get together and yeah. all this i just feel like the machinations of reality tv just feel so as self-evident to me now that it's a little hard to suspend my disbelief in the way that i used to be able to when i was younger or something yeah Where i'm just watching it and i'm like yeah yeah and then there's a fight about this and okay i see what you mean yeah I oh and this character this woman's like if you watch selling sunset there's one woman who's like the bitch that everybody doesn't like and it's like okay let's do another scene with christine bring christine out she'll say something mean to someone and that'll be this episode and it's like okay. and so you don't it's like you see the magic trick and you don't like yes, it anymore so I don't like it anymore yeah which is really sad because I, I loved reality TV when I was growing up can't you can't you take it as like you know it's like people know wrestling's fake but they still like it can it yeah, be like that? but then I guess they really need to be writing these shows you know because wrestling they really got a team of writers trying to come up with creative stuff do Some they not a team of writers? Like choreographed yeah. and things like that. Totally. And so what's the difference with reality TV? Don't they have a story They're producer? not doing a good enough job. I'm not sold on the, the characters. and not sold on the stories. Maybe if it was campier. Yes. Maybe if it was more over the top. Yeah. If it, I think mind. if it was more complicated. Sometimes it's just so simple, the like movement of the plots of like, okay, and now these two characters, they're the close, they've become the closest friends. Oh, and now they're going to become the enemies. And it's like, just the, I don't know. It's not complicated. I like a show where there's like real stakes in it, like uh, Love is Blind, um, where the people really do want to fall in love. And so they're at the core, there's this like real motivation of like people who want love. And that's actually there. And I think if I watch a show like Selling Sunset, which is about sexy realtors, I don't even believe those people are really realtors. I mean, they're models who got the real estate license and now they're allowed to be on the TV show. <laughs> right. um, they're like former soap actresses, multiple of them. So like there's not even that core reality of like, we're really real estate agents. It's like they're real licensed real estate agents, but they're not really real so estate So is your agents. problem with reality TV or is your problem with selling Sunset? It's with reality TV. 
and because also yeah, there's other shows I could say, but I don't I don't know how fruitful this topic is because I also I think I've talked about it before. But I watched Bridgerton, and uh, I didn't like that either too much. Why didn't it, you it like it? Stressed me out because the idea of like these women and they have to get married and they have to get married during their first season in the balls, otherwise. They're gonna have to get married to some ugly guy. Well, hold on, oh, you got to you got to no, snatch him up. That's you. high stakes. Yes, that's, that's high, high stakes. stakes that's too much. <laughs> that's I can't take much. it. That's too much. That's too much. Does that make it? One is it, soup's it too it, hot. One soup's too cold. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it too stressful because it makes you think about your own life and that you haven't been married in the first ball? I know. I don't. I don't know why it's really, really stressed me out. I guess just the idea of like that in life, some things are competitions and people do win and lose. And it really is like straightforward. Even and something like love. Like love could You'd be. You'd think it could be about actually falling in love with someone. But, but it's, it's like really no. about competing for the best people alive at the same moment as you and whether or not you can secure them before you're kind of left with the leftover. And in the same social station. Yes. And so do they have to be like, they have to like basically kind of get the guys they gotta get the guys and the guys can you don't gotta have to get married at any certain time you can wait until you're old to get married damn if you're one of the guys that is so unfair that's yeah. what i'm doing <laughs> you're waiting a couple balls <laughs> yeah you're like on your fifth ball right oh now. oh my so. god yes yes yeah. i've seen many many a dame pass <laughs> me by so is bridgerton the kind of thing sarah that you would have liked to have watched when you were a child I don't, not necessarily. That's not really a show that I would watch, but it's the most popular show, most streamed show ever on Netflix, which is kind of shocking because there's been a lot of hits on Netflix, like Tiger King. Wow. Tiger King. Wow. But Stranger Bridgerton Netflix? is the Bridgerton. most popular, most successful of all time. My mom said that she really liked the guy, some guy, some like tall guy with a big neck. Yeah, that's probably the Duke. Yeah, Maybe but then apparently in the, the second season, he's not around. That's right. And she was like, ah, it's not worth it anymore. That's right. Because the, the, they didn't know the show was going to be such a huge success. So they got the romantic lead, the man, only signed a contract to be in one season. Because then they, they were like, if we do a second season, it'll focus on different characters and we won't need him. Um, but then it was such a huge hit. And people love this guy's character. And he was like, no, I'm not coming back for a second season. Like, I agreed to do one season. And that's what I wanted to do. He hates acting. Yeah, but can why you wouldn't imagine? They, they wouldn't, they'd be like, look, we made all this money. Look, we're giving we're you $10 million. Dollars. Yeah. yeah, like, but. what do you need? But he said he wants to be in movies and uh, he doesn't just want to be a recurring character on a TV show. I was like, can you imagine? Like, man, the people that we know who are just so desperate for opportunities to be on the most popular show ever on Netflix. To be the Duke. The Duke. <laughs> the beloved Duke. <laughs> What's and you name? don't want to come back in season two and be the Duke? What's okay. the Duke's name? Uh, I can't remember. And is he cool? Do you like him? He's cool and he's hot. Do yeah. You think he's hot? You'd like to for him to come back in the second season? Well, he has that classic character in like the Victorian um, stories. I guess in all romance of like, he doesn't really, he's like, I don't feel anything. I don't care. I'm never getting married. I'll never be in love. That's mm. not for me. And then she gets him. Damn. You know, she gets him. Yeah. He falls in love. When you bag the ace guy. Yep. You find one guy who's ace. That's right. And you can, and you can bag him. That means that you really have... The classic Victorian man. That's right. Um, do you... It, they do a thing in Bridgerton, right, where it's like multiracial casting, right? It doesn't matter. Like That's race right. doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. No, they actually have this... So all... You think race doesn't exist because you're looking at a Victorian England scenario and it looks like a 
full representation of the world. You it know, looks like nowadays. Yeah, it's very nowadays style. <laughs> and so then you makes and you think race doesn't exist. So, so you get this idea that you're like, oh, in the Bridgerton universe, race doesn't exist because they're all here and these are supposed to be all a bunch of rich old white people, but they're not. Um, but then there's a moment in the show and the queen is black um, and the duke is black. The queen is black. Yeah, the king is white, <gasps> we're are led to believe, because at a certain point, the duke's aunt says to him, like, it's important that you get married. Um, like basically she says like as a black man, you should get married to uh, the Bridgerton girl because like she's white and it's so important. Wait, for so us. suddenly racial politics so enter into the question. So suddenly it exists. And and th- this is in a world where the queen is black. She wouldn't say, yes. she wouldn't say, well, you know, luckily the queen is black though. So we don't have, it's a totally different social setup. And yeah, landscape. right. Exactly. Like suddenly it exists and it matters. And so then you're made to believe, Oh, there's this whole racialized history here, but it's just not the one. <laughs> Of the world that we cool. are currently living That's in. like multiverse. Have their own. Yes, it's, it's multiverse. multiverse thing. So we're like, oh, this is England, but we're in outer space. <laughs> yeah. it's like, Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek universe. <laughs> That's so funny. That's really. Also, we got uh, we got Steve Smith in the chat saying Bridgerton costumes bad. bad? Are they bad? Do they look like costume store costumes? They look like costumes, but I don't. They're like fun in the sense that like every ball they have a whole new set. Every you never see anybody on that show wearing the same dress twice. Damn. So. It's like pretty elaborate, but you know, it's just funny because that's like a show trying to have its cake and eat it too. It's like we got the we got the multicultural casting, but also we do we touch on issues. Totally, but it was just it blew my mind. I was like, wait, what have they written? What is the canon of what happened that the queen is black and the duke is black, but he needs to marry this white person? To secure something, some sort of like, yeah, <laughs> uh, respectability. Yeah, or <laughs> and it's just like, what? oh my gosh, what must the story be here? So, but they don't give any details. You need, you need her liver crystals <laughs> that only white people possess. It was so strange because um, I really was like, oh, this the race thing. It doesn't exist, and that's cool, and they're that's what they're going with, and it's fun, and it's like honestly such an elegant solution to this problem of like making historical yeah. period pieces. Yeah, it would be it's awesome like, if they like travel to Africa and it hasn't been colonized by England. It's like it's like a Wakanda style. Yes. Like they're like a huge empire and the queen like they have totally. like totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Wow. So that's a weird thing in Bridgerton that I haven't heard anybody talk about, but I haven't really been in the discourse. I it, honestly it gave me nightmares. So I was like, I had to get married and I was like running out of time. And um, I had a dream that I had to get married to this guy who I was in stand up comedy club with in college because he was like my only viable option. And it was like, it was time. Was this the guy who liked you? Um, this is someone who I haven't talked to you about before that had a crush on me who was very weird. Um, wait, wait, wait. That you haven't talked to on the podcast? Or I haven't talked, talked to, to you about I've oh, never mentioned this. You did tell before. us someone. About a, a different crush. guy. It wasn't him, but it was somebody else who was in the group. Um, and yeah, it was extremely stressful. So I don't know. It was just funny. And then the other stressful thing in Bridgerton is that like for a long time, the girl, the Bridgerton girl, she's the most, she's, they keep calling her, she's the pearl of the first water. She's like the crystal of the season. Like she's the number one girl. Um, okay. But her that brother. she's Asian. <laughs> <laughs> she's white and has red hair or something. And um, her dad is dead. Uh, so her brother is kind of her advocate in the process, yeah. but he's really not helping. Like he doesn't think any of the men are good enough for her. So he keeps sending away 
all of her suitors so then she has no one Damn. and he's just like I don't get it what's going on I don't know um, well let me pick someone for you and he picks like the ugliest weirdest old guy for her, his sister to get married to and he's nice but he's just a little like out to lunch like the brother and he's not listening and I'm just it really stressed me out to think like wow and then your brother maybe your brother's just some guy who doesn't isn't paying attention doesn't get it and yeah. doesn't get it and yeah. you could even be the pearl of the first water and you still gotta marry some <laughs> weird old guy because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's not doing a good job um, so it just very, extremely very stressful. stressful and it's something that I don't think my brother would be good at <laughs> helping me to get married yeah. so yeah do they all speak in the English accents I honestly I don't even remember I think they do mm. yeah okay damn yeah well so I was trying to imagine what if there was also a mix of like social understanding, like it's both like uh, like the same way that the that the racial story is sort of mixed up. That there's both this uh, patriarchal, like you have to get married during the first season, but also they're like girl bosses, and it's like I'm focusing on my career. Yeah. <laughs> what if they mix those two things up? That yeah. would be cool. And there's climate change. <laughs> yeah, on. there's like climate disasters <laughs> happening. Pearl of the first water, says Joe Castlebaker. Oh, Joe Castlebaker's right. in the chat. <laughs> wow, today, wow. there's like a lot of people in the chat today. We got Alex saying my mom's friend was on The Sopranos and pulled out after season one because he wanted to be in movies. Fucked up. Who wow. was he in season one and did he get to be in movies? Huh. Are there gay people in Bridgerton? Not in season one. But in season two, actually, there might be. There was a subplot off. about one of the younger Bridgerton brothers kind of getting into art and being part of like a group that meets up that paints nudes. And I couldn't tell if that was the direction it was going in. But I kept skipping. Oh, he's gay. I was like, let's get back to the marriage <laughs> thing. We don't have time gay. for this. Oh, that guy's gay. <laughs> <laughs> he gay. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah, I mean, one direction is to go like super historical realism you know like you're like the guy who directs like the norseman movies and that's how you make the television show or history is just a blank canvas on which you can write whatever fantasy you want mm -hmm. and you should it just be it should be completely over the top like a, like some sort of musical or something like that mm -hmm. you know it should be like just pure entertainment and this sounds like that like i, I kind of like in abstract i like the boldness of the choices because it's like yeah it's england but it's like you're actually just kind of gesturing at a sort of American idea of what England maybe w was like, but just certain parts of it. And then you're just sort of swapping out the rest with totally. other sh cool shit you like. Like maybe they have totally. futuristic guns. <laughs> that would totally. that. It's I just what you like. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It can be just whatever you want. <laughs> There's also this element of it that I don't know how historically accurate it is. That's like if you're a lady in the court in the upper crust of society, you are never allowed to kiss uh, at all a man who's not in your family or be like touched, you know, always to be wearing your little gloves and you can't get touched on the hand. And if you do, like you're done. You better marry that guy. Like if you get touched days. on the hand. Yeah. Because like you are, you've been spoiled. Um, and Whoa. it was just, it, they take it so seriously in the show um, that I was like, is this really real? Cause like people are always <laughs> getting drunk and yeah. kissing touching. Each other and touching. Yeah. yeah. Who can avoid? I thought the whole thing <laughs> yeah. was that everyone's fucking all the time. That's what I, you would think in the oh. show. Oh, in the show. Um, um, they people have dream fantasies, so and they don't like, actually fuck. Uh, the one of the brothers is having sex with like a opera singer who's not a lady, so she can do whatever she wants. Oh, okay, mm. so yeah. there's a lady non lady distinction. Yeah, she's a lady non lady, but you're, if you're a lady, you cannot get touched. And it just seemed so stressful to me. I was like going around like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, and you're supposed to be supervised. Yeah, all it's the time. like the floor is lava. Yes, exactly. You have to be like, <laughs> yeah. 
Damn. Well, that's cool. Maybe maybe we should watch Bridgerton, Sam. Totally. <laughs> take a couple yes. nights. Totally. No, I, I'm 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 actually interested because it's funny because if we were pitching that show, there would be a conversation where we'd be like, "No, we can't have the why would why would there be different races in it? Like we we'd have justify. to justify that. No. That's too complicated. Just make it simple. Just like let's have it all be like historically accurate. You don't want to create questions in the audience's head, but. The real cool, like the real next level thing to do is you're a TV writer, a TV producer, whatever, and you go, no, 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 just do whatever the fuck yeah, you, you want. Yeah, you go, yeah. who gives a shit? Yes. yes. That's exactly. what you do. You go, who yeah. gives exactly. a shit? That's, that's how you know yeah. you're like really in the game, in the yes. world of television. Yes. Yeah. It is a funny thing. Okay, we, we, we made a Simple Town video. You guys made a Simple Town video. I was there this weekend. And it's funny to watch um, the group kind of think through, like trying to find the simplest way to move from like one scene to the next sort of resolve a plot point yeah um because it always seems so hard to do and then when you find the simplest move to make it's so obvious it's clear yeah it's so clear it's funny because i had that experience on a different shoot that we did where i was i was watching people come up with really simple answers and in this one i didn't feel like we totally did that um yeah yeah yeah. it wasn't the most simple answers for some stuff sometimes i was like ah this could be we could like cut this and it would be fine totally um but yeah i think that's the key just the simplest answer is always the best one Yo, he's got more coffee. Yo, no there's another pot. Wait, more coffee got Yo, made? he's pouring more coffee. This was getting made while we were talking? <laughs> what? <laughs> Please give me some. <laughs> Wait, there's there's no more there? No more. He's saying there's no more. Um, So uh, just going back to the chat, Steve Smith said, uh, Tony was played by a different guy in season one because I was asking Alex who... Uh, that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. That's the riff we should have said. Yeah. <laughs> and then Alex said he was Jackie April, the guy who dies of cancer. Is that true? Do they even show Jackie April? Or Alex, is that true? It and it it if it were true. See, I don't know if he's doing a bit on me because if it were true, it wouldn't even matter that he wanted to stay because he was dead already. And then he said movies didn't pan out for your boy. I think that the offers are rolling in for the Duke, so he's just gonna ride that. Yeah, I would. That. I mean, it's a gamble you take. Like I'm gonna be in the Marvel movies. Totally. I'm be Black Widow. Totally. Jim Halpert didn't want to do The Office anymore. He wanted to be Jack Ryan. But The Office was long yeah. done <laughs> by the time he, it was time to be Jack no, Ryan. No, that's why they wrapped it up. They would have kept it going, but they wrapped it up. Man, that guy went to our college. What's that guy's name? Uh, uh, J- John Krasinski. John Krasinski. And he was, in the, he was in the sketch group at our college. That's funny. Um, but then it's it's surprising because you know we went to school in such a SJW school that for him to be like a right wing CIA become, lover, yeah, and make Jack Ryan, it's like it's not cool with the current students. Yeah, yeah, not cool. He could not. He would not be celebrated as a hero if he yeah. came back. Um, something else that I watched during my quarantine was uh, the Brad Trammell about art speak. Um, Watch that too. Yeah, you watch that. And I was following this Josh Cinderella cease and desist oh, <laughs> situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? No, this? I haven't seen this. Um, I guess is it real? It's real. Yeah. This uh, this or do you want to explain it? Um. So Josh Cinderella does this thing called Do Not Research, which is I think like kind of an alternative. Uh, Josh Cinderella is an internet theorist artist person who's on Instagram and Discord and Twitch. Um talks about the art world and uh and no and politics brad tramell's art world um and focuses a lot on like gen z and how gen z like uses the internet and what it means for the world and he did this like elaborate um 
he made a reading list. Yeah. Basically, he has like a curriculum that he teaches you. You pay you pay on it on Patreon, and he it gives you a reading list, and then you do these like weekly conversations about it. Like it's we a learn seminar. about the internet. He and makes like a yeah. little seminar that you can take. Yeah, and someone took the reading list and just posted it uh, on to roast him to roast to him. be like this reading list is corny. Yes, and then uh, his lawyers sent a de- cease and desist to that person because that's like J- Josh's intellectual property that he sells. You know the reading list. Um, it's funny because I someone gave me the reading list. That's funny. I like mean, of for course, free, they like, were like, check it out. <laughs> it's just a, a document that exists on the internet. Like, of course, you can get it for free. Yeah. Um, you can get a rip of memoria, even though it's only ever supposed to play in theaters forever. Like, that's it's true. And, and, a, and, a reading list is, and a reading list is an even more ephemeral mm-hmm. uh, piece of intellectual property because it's like, totally. <laughs> it's just totally. a list of books you think totally. are kind of interesting. Totally. It's like, a, yeah, a list. Um, and so his lawyer sent a cease and desist to that person and then that person posted the cease and desist and then it kind of went, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't say viral because how yeah. big is this little <laughs> no, world? Yeah. But like <laughs> people roasting him for being like, it's a boomery thing to send a cease and desist over. Yeah, he's, he's showing, he's meme, mad. It's like, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of an interesting random thing that happened that I was like, oh, it just, it made me think about how like, is it impossible to kind of stay cool forever or like he was just getting got so hard but people make really <laughs> funny memes about the josh the cease and desist that made him just look so ridiculous um but i like him a lot and i like this and he stuff was that posting he makes, all and, the memes about and it. he was posting all the memes so he was being cool about it and funny um but yeah i don't know it's just it's hard because what he does is he like takes the internet and politics and stuff really seriously and i think when you do that obviously you set yourself up to kind of get be cringe at to some be point a dork yeah, yeah to be a dork yeah <laughs> it's true that and was... we, you're trying to like have a patreon people really come for him and, and brad Trammell for being like older white guys who have patreons that you're supposed to that young people are supposed to pay for <laughs> so that they can yeah do i don't know stuff, what the argument against is i mean i guess i guess if you're like selling some sort of like content and stuff that's okay but maybe there's something like self-serious about it I, the person was making fun of him because he was like this reading list they were like this reading list is like stupid and uh and you're like profiting off of these like kind of not not so interesting political ideas or yeah yeah i i think there's not really an argument against having a patreon like no one is compelled to do the patreon you can do it pay for it if you want like it's fully people's choice so like but it's the self-seriousness that people can always come for you for um but the other thing i think the reason he has like so much attention on him is because he did this mark fisher thing um where he was like like, seeding seeding memes he was seeding memes he was trying to get like gen z who are really like nihilistic to um like feel more activated and engaged with like actual positive solutions to the you know i don't know plight of the world and so he was like seeding to get them to read mark fisher's capitalist realism um on the internet by like doing like a meme that's like a, an Amazon checkout page that's like people who bought this also often buy this and the, the thing the first thing would be like really kooky socks that are like, like funny thi- for like they were like thigh high socks yes for like anime girls mm. um, and then it would be Mark Fisher's capitalist realism so then suddenly people who would be like oh that's like fun this is like something I would do it's like oh you're, he was putting it into the subculture that he wanted to get to read it and like acting like it was a thing you know without it being a thing oh. and then trying to just see as an experiment could he like make it happen and then he found that people were reposting the memes and making new Mark Fisher memes and then it did kind of work wow to some like what yeah. an orchestrator yeah um, so then there was like a lot of attention kind of brought to him over that because it was kind of a funny thing to announce that he had seated mm. this that's that's how susceptible Maybe 13 could, year olds are, Sam. 
You just post a meme where you put a, a couple of thigh-high socks next to the thing that you want them to think is cool, mm-hmm. and they believe it's cool. Maybe they could do that for our podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna totally. see. I'm gonna see totally. memes about totally raising man. Well, I've always thought there's like a lot of uh, podcasts that get like little meme pages, uh, like the selectuals pages and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't make that. Someone would have to care enough to make it. Yes. And if you're out there, please, please make that. I was listening to someone. Wait, who was talking about this? Oh, yeah. They were saying the self meme is like failure. If you try to meme yourself, you failed. Like if you, if you try to make your image into a Mm. meme, Mm. your own image into a meme, you've failed. Separate conversation, but it's a separate conversation from this Josh Cinderella thing. Um, Yeah. But I think, yeah, I mean, ultimately, when we'd be like, how effective is that? You just get like a bunch of 12 year olds who are like really online to post a meme. What is the effect of that? Yeah. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that it's a great effect. I don't know. Well, what's funny is it, it did make me think, oh, I, I've been I'm, I should read Capitalist Realism. So it sort of worked on it's me in some read. sense. I read yeah. it. I read it. I actually. You did funny. read it. I did so read it on the, I read so it on the what effects does it have? What effect <laughs> does it have? Yeah, but then but then that book that book is like not. It's funny that you even picked that book because that book is like not. That's not the book. What I just don't. I, I don't think that that book leads you into like a sort of uh, like materialist like action radical. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like an energizing like book or one that would like radicalize you in action it's pretty like kind of theory dense mm-hmm. or not even dense but like i don't know if the conclusions are so definitive as it as like something like the communist manifesto no it's like, like a, it's like a piece of interesting criticism that's like this is our society and like these are the sort of interesting contradictions of our society but it, no i couldn't imagine anyone reading it and then being like i'm gonna create like organize now yeah yeah well, he wanted to pick something small. Yeah. But if you um, read The Watchmen. Yeah. Or if you read yeah. The Watchmen. No, you, that. you will. Yeah. You will I have to organize a group of vigilantes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I feel like it just made me think, like between thinking about that and then watching the Brad Trammell most recent video. Um, I don't know. Just thinking, uh, remembering how like I came across them or knew of their existence, like I think when I was in college and then like in my early 20s, I just thought they were really cool because they were like anti-institutional figures you know who are like this contrasting voice to like mainstream art criticism and the way people talk about the internet um but then everybody gets older and everyone gets like you should they're they're not institutionalized but they're sort of self-institutionalizing with the patreon and forming like oh do not research is my thing that i do and this is how you can support my work and all this stuff and, and then to just sort of watch people like young gen z people turn against them in this way that i'm like oh is that like an inevitable part of the life of a I don't know, public intellectual. I don't even really know what to think that they are. Yeah. But, yeah. It's so it's so cool to not need anything. <laughs> and when you're yeah. older, you need money and stuff like totally. that for your work. For your kid. For your kid. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 just way cooler to be like, yeah. yeah. Have absolutely no, no need for any kind of um, yeah. remuneration for your work. Yeah, but I also wonder if it's related to like once you fully crystallize sort of like your outlook and what your perspective is and what you represent it becomes an object that other people can kind of dunk on and like uh come for versus like when you're sort of an emerging voice it's like oh that's interesting what's that person saying like who knows where they're really going with this but then at a certain point you've kind of crystallized the constellation of all your ideas and the right. worldview and what it means and then it's never going to be something that feels or maybe it could be something that's like evergreenly radical and exciting but people are like 
okay, let's push that down and move on to the next thing and like fuck you guys. Yeah. I don't know. That Yeah. Totally. It's true. Totally. Yeah, yeah no, uh, what what's the goal then to become a kind of forever like uh like a nameless sort of like avatar on the internet and just like p- put yourself in opposition to things that already exist rather yeah. than to sort of like create your own coherent like philosophy or take that then can get dunked on. I think that the way to never get guys to be like a loser forever. <laughs> yeah. If you're just That's like funny. low status forever. And yeah. then low when you're status, dead, yes. people are Sam like, Hyde yeah. style. <laughs> kind of. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, just like, you're just like pathetic all the time. No one's going to come for you if you're, if you're a loser. Yeah. But you can't really control that. It's out of your hands. That's if you're true. A loser. But that's a good point. It's like a high status, low status thing. You're safe if you're low status, but you also don't have any status. So, right. You know, so you it's decide. like you suffer. You still <laughs> suffer. You suffer yeah. either way. Yeah. I think what you have to do is like you have to start doing a different thing. Like the way like Tim, Tim he- Carey paints. Kim, Jim Carey paints. <laughs> Tim Heidecker makes music. Steve Martin plays his banjo. Too. Yeah. Oh, like, fuck, yeah. Josh Shitterella should have started a folk band. And no one has any opinions about what he does. Don't people talk shit about how Steve Martin plays the banjo though? I don't talk shit about that. Respect. I don't know. I go on Spotify. I'm like, I want to listen to Steve Martin albums. And it's like 15 of them are banjo albums and three of them are stand-up albums. And I'm like, oh, I wish you just had more stand-up Do albums. Do more stand-up albums. No, I yeah. think that's that's epic. Because he's pretty impunable. Whoever comes for Steve Martin or is like, oh, his later work's not that good or anything. He's like... He definitely made ass. He made so many <laughs> shitty movies. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> That's I like true. what that one with him and Queen Latifah. What Wait, which one? one was that? Alex, don't let your dad listen to this episode. Wait, Alex what? says dad doesn't like when we talk bad about older I people. I love Steve Martin. I love Steve Martin. Steve Martin is my favorite stand-up, <laughs> I think, of all time. Yeah. No, I love Steve Martin, but, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I like that facts. one with him and Queen Latifah. <laughs> it's an insane movie. That would never get made today. Where Wait, he, what was the movie? The, 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 like, crowning jewel, like, the final sort of, like, epic scene of it is he has to like walk into this club and pretend to be like a black guy that and he's rules. like he's like a homie or whatever and he's wearing like a huge jersey and stuff it's insane well the that. beginning of the jerk is is about him he's like i i was born a poor black child Do yes you remember this? no there's all this race terrible terrible race stuff yeah that steve martin does yeah and he's your favorite comedian you i mean i mean yeah um yeah, I'm going to get, when when I get famous, which will happen, and then I get post-famous, I'm going to get really into making terrariums. That's going to be my thing. That's cool. Yeah. Mm. It's not even a thing you can sort of really share with a lot of people. A terrarium people. is like a little garden inside of a it's glass It's like a fish bottle. tank, but it's land. Yeah, exactly. Can you put little like iguanas in there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be stuffed to the gills with iguanas. <laughs> They're going to be eating It's going to be mostly iguanas <laughs> and a little right. bit of land. <laughs> it's just a fishbowl filled with iguanas. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. So tell us, what did you think about the um, Art Speak one? I liked it. Because I like, um, man, I was just thinking this week about there's certain things I want to talk about on the podcast that I'm not going to because they're too close to my personal life. No. I just want to talk about it so badly. And Wait, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to talk about that. Well, I, no, we're not Can going to. Can you talk about it in code? No. <laughs> it's way too complicated. <laughs> I also don't even think you would think it was interesting, but it's what I want to talk about. So me and Sam could talk about it. Fuck. Um, <laughs> but mm. uh, I can say the thing I want to say about the art speak thing. It just relates. <clears throat> but... Uh, 
the art speak Brad, Brad Trammell episode is all about how um, there's a certain language around the way people talk about art in the contemporary art world, like how the way they write artist statements that relate, like everyone's using words like modalities and liminal space and like, uh, I don't know, you know, help yeah, me explain like, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like yeah. They, they have, there's like every, transigence. The art and, does thing. There's always like verbs that it does. And like there's it, multiple it clauses. And, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And it does this, but it also does the opposite of that. And yes. like just this way of talking that's like totally indecipherable, not meaningful. Who is it for? It helps you get grants. But like, why do people talk like that instead of just like being frank about if they have something verbally they want to express about their art, they should express that thing, you know, yes. theoretically. Um, and it's all about how like that language developed as a way to two major things. One kind of like justify the fact that there are there are too many people who are qualified to be artists and who could be in the contemporary art world. Um, and the people need to differentiate themselves and kind of rise to the top by becoming like sort of as inscrutable and highly educated seeming as they can possibly be to kind of explain like, why are you the creme de la creme, you know, of art? And it's like, oh, well, I have this like, I'm really good at like writing in this language and um, speaking this way that is like not scrutable to outsiders. Uh, and then there's this other point that like art originally started out as like a medium visual art that like tells stories. Like if you think about like Renaissance paintings um, and, and biblical paintings and all that kind of early work, like the stories contained within the art. And then as you get closer more into contemporary art, it tells less of a story and like uh, needs more of an explanation sort of feasibly to justify to people like why they should be engaged with it and like give it context. Um, Cause art doesn't even have to exist in a gallery. It can just be an object or like an idea basically. So like how do you make that art kind of, exist for people like what's the framework um but that it's kind of just related to like the over professionalization of like art and I, I thought it was interesting i think it's true of a lot of things because my experience of like the adult life has been jobs are pretty easy and there's way too many people who could do almost any job but there's still like this desire to maintain this eliteness to certain like jobs in liberal culture um like being a journalist or a podcaster or a writer like there's just so many people who can do those things and but there has to be a way to differentiate out the fact that like only one percent of people get to be these certain positions like an mm -hmm. artist in a mm -hmm. gallery or something so it's like how are we going to right um, it's a way you protect your jurisdiction essentially totally. from yeah. outsiders mm -hmm. and i just think that that's that's true and uh it's something that i really don't like about the world that uh Maybe I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I, went, I worked in NPR after I graduated from college and they just gave this like speech to all the new interns about how like you probably everyone here has imposter syndrome, but like you guys all deserve to be here. You're the ones who deserve <laughs> to be here. And I was like, that's no. one. I don't have imposter syndrome. It's an internship. And I applied for it and I did the interview and that's why I got it. I'm not meant to be at this unpaid internship. Yeah. Um, but then also like having an internship is the height of privilege. It's like not something that's like you deserve this over everyone else in the world it's like you're lucky that you get to do this almost nobody gets to do these things um so you have to spend time like doing radio and like it's a fun job um that you can really like align your soul with like that to me is not something that you should think of as in terms of like oh i really deserve this it's like everyone should be so lucky as to get to do a job that is kind of like this um yeah but there's like we have to make these things really difficult in this way that i don't know yeah, difficult and not difficult though, because I I find that like if you are really theoretical in the way that you talk, I I I remember this from college, which is that you if you're not clear about your ideas but you like dress them up with like a lot of crazy language, it's actually less hard 
it's more hard to come up with clear, interesting ideas than it is to come up with like mid ideas and use a lot of big words mm. to dress them up. So in, an, in another way too, it's, it's a way of filtering out, but it's also a way of, um, it's kind of like a lazy solution. Well, it's funny because there's, there's this section in the thing where he tries to like break down like art speak language and he takes this whole paragraph and he's like, what's the artist actually saying here? And he's, and he says, basically what the artist is saying is that the piece is really big. Yes. <laughs> and that the artist likes making big things. Yeah. Like big objects. And that the piece is like blue. <laughs> That's like basically what he takes a paragraph and like distills it into. And it, and it makes me think like, well, oftentimes there isn't, there aren't great things to say about pieces of art other right. than really obvious things, which is that like, I made this because I like the how big it is and I wanted to make something with like toilet paper or whatever totally. you know and like those are the two reasons the thing got made totally and that's it especially for people who make art visual art it's like I made visual art because that's how I wanted to express the thing that I wanted to express I if I wanted to be a writer I would be a writer so why right. am I having to write the statement and then he just talks about how like the statement becomes one of the most important parts of the art and it's also ironic because it says all these things about like oh it forces the audience to do this it has this impact and it's like nobody cares enough about your work for it to do anything it's not doing anything like most visual art has zero impact and no one engages with it and nobody cares enough um, mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. which was kind of a sad mm -hmm. point <laughs> that's true and I don't remember what solution if any he has to the fact that people don't really um, people are not moved by art they see in a gallery typically it makes me think that people are fundamentally like meaning makers they want to make meaning yeah. out of the stuff they see and when art was pictorial and literary as he says in the beginning when paintings depicted things from the bible or things from history it was self-evident to people what the story was yeah. in the artwork oh this is supposed to teach me about something that i recognize from the bible or recognize from roman history but when you're when it becomes conceptual you're looking at abstract art or conceptual art or things like that then you like people still d have a desire to have the meaning be made they want to look at the object and have meaning be made for them but so that's why where the writing comes in, as Sarah said. So it's just, it's powerful to me that people just need, they need help like making this, they have this incredible desire to have something be understood and, and make meaning in their life. And so they need it. They're going to get it <laughs> whatever way they can, you know? Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think it's funny that a lot of people sort of have a reaction to, uh, experimental work, uh, performance art, dance, visual art, anything that's not um, kind of self-explaining that uh, they don't like it because it makes them feel stupid or something or they don't they don't know how to understand it or whatever. I feel like going to college taught me that it's like, well, there's nothing to really understand. You can just look at whatever work of art and project whatever you want onto it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Whatever kind of gets you off in that moment, that's that. Yeah. 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 That's funny. We were, when we were in, <laughs> when we were in LA, you and me, Sarah, we saw some work and I was yep, like, yep, yep, yep. and we didn't like it initially. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what this was like. I didn't like it, but maybe like me not liking it was part, you know, the, me being bored was sort of part of it. So the process of, yeah, and so yeah I was yeah. like, no, there's nothing there. What you <laughs> saw is what you get. Like, it was bad. Totally. Totally. Actually, I felt so strongly. We saw some work that was 
It was one of the worst things I've ever like sat in a gallery space know. and experienced. I don't know because it was so long. <laughs> it was lasted Bro, forever. We I've were so bad, hungry. I've seen a lot of bad shit. We had flown into LA bad. like that morning. Oh my god, we were so hungry, and the work was so bad. It was just like such a consumption of time too. <laughs> and I just like refused to. I was felt so insulted by it as an audience member and so abused by its use of my time and attention that I was like, I refuse to like I've find sat, anything. I sat through so many long bad things. That That's funny. Performance. <laughs> it was a video, but that's all we can say. The more that's we say, the more we say. The closer we get. That's all we can say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess, when I was in art school, I, I really had the hat on of like everything. There's a reason for everything. I remember, you know, that book that I showed you, why art cannot be taught. Yes. It starts. It, the author is talks a lot about how how art is taught, uh, and. It starts out with an anecdote from a critique. And the point he's trying to make is that critiques can be like a million different kinds of things. And so he gives this anecdote where someone brings in this like pile of garbage with like a radio underneath the pile of garbage. And uh, what do you call it? Sorry, I was just looking at the comments. And the, the professor is like, you know, this piece makes me bored. He's like, so maybe it's about the experience of being bored. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant. I think that's kind of cool. And it's like level three. Um, obviously, the professor is roasting the piece, but also it's like, yeah, sometimes you're bored. And it's like, yeah, maybe the piece is about me being bored or the yeah, experience of boredom. That's funny. So I think when I was in art school, I was always trying to be like, yeah, like <coughs> what am I experiencing in this room right now? That's the effect. It that's well, so that's, funny. That's the thing, uh, thing Brad Tremont brings up and, and also that art book brings up, which is that the critique is about the, making the best critique possible. And about what you learn in critique is a, is you practice ways to talk about art with your peers. That's the purpose of the critique. It's not to ma make the artwork better or to really like figure out, help the artist who made the artwork in any way make a better piece. It's about practicing with people who, who are about to enter the, the art world with, practicing ways to talk about art. And that's what's fun and cool about the critique and so i think your hat that having that hat on you're right you know it's like oh you just want to practice saying the best thing you can say about the work yeah i remember one time i um i only ever did like one or two all-nighters in art school and the the first time i did it there was this guy whose name i can't remember but he was like, he was really wild and like kind of a weird dude that I could never, you know, he was like always smiling, but I could never understand. He was like a little chaotic. And I started at nine and I was like, okay, this piece is going to take me all night to finish. So I was drinking all this coffee and we were both in the workroom and like, he was like walking around the workroom at nine, then 10 comes around. He hasn't started his piece. This is like our final for our first semester. And then like one comes around, he hasn't started. He's just walking around and like hanging out having like a beer and then like at like two or three he's like i'm gonna start oh wait more coffee got made now i made a coffee yeah wait did you just walk over there yes dude yes a couple a few minutes, minutes ago. ago but you're Keep only offering your it to me now <laughs> <laughs> no it's ready to be brewed it, now it's ready the second pot that you what? were so obsessed over where's my you, when you're you're podcasting you're in a fugue your state i really there. am wait where's my your cups over there wait why is my cup all the way over there. over there. You want me to get it? You're kind of stuck. Could you? Yeah. yeah keep 
I keep telling your story unless we gonna riff on the coffee thing more because that's kind of our through line yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's really cooking anyways this dude fucking waits till like three in the morning and then he like finishes the painting it, to me it was like I was like wait what the fuck like this is so important I've been working since 10 like how how could you let it how could you wait so long to make this painting? And the painting was like just fine. And then the next day we're at crit and I like haven't slept all night. So I'm like delirious. <laughs> and he's like, the teacher's like asking him to like explain it. And he's like, he's like smiling. And he's like, yeah, there's like a couple of balls there. I, I painted so like, he was totally mm. like, like Being not giving a shit artist. about it, but yeah. he was laughing about it. And I was just, and then in my crit, I was like, "This is so funny." I was like, "This is like one. Of, this is one of the funniest things I've ever experienced." And I said this out loud as part of my crit. I was like, "This is really funny." Like, I saw you work on this. Like, start at four in the morning or whatever. Like, wow, you just, outed him I like think, that, dude. I think I don't know you if I snitch. I don't know if I outed you him. Snitch. I don't know if I snitched it on him, but <laughs> I remember just being like laughing. And then my crit was about how funny the situation was, and I was like, "That's kind of what the experience. The experience mm. of the piece is me being in the workroom with you and." you being insane and then you making this painting and bullshitting about how there's like balls in it and stuff yeah and i was like that's, that's what the funny that's what the piece is about that's the funny. piece is about what i experienced mm. yeah, that's funny it's making yeah. me think that my experience of the thing that we saw in la was like that work was about how institutional and grant funding funds the most irrelevant work in the world that has no impact <laughs> 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 because the other thing about this was that yeah. we were told that this person had received a lot of money for this stuff and they were really like being sustained by grants. Oh my um, god! And the work was just so like um, drained the life from me. And so they, I guess it was a critique <laughs> on how institutions it's like, are like oppressive. Vam- on, vampires. Yes, totally. It's about vampires. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. You would you would hope that public funding funds even bad stuff because because it's so important. Because it's important for there to be bad stuff. Yeah, so that people can practice. Knowing something's bad. This is something that we've talked about. I feel a lot of empathy for people who make bad art. Why? Because everybody, because it's like I'm always making bad stuff. Yeah. And so it's like I never feel good like talking shit about someone. Or like I, it's like fun to talk shit about bad art, but then it's like, man, everybody gets to do it. Totally. Everybody totally. has the right to be really Totally. Bad. Yeah, I don't think it's like a damning, I don't even think that this person who made this work could never make something good. I bet that they could make something that I totally. thought was cool. So like it's not a like a absolute... Like this person shouldn't be an artist or something, but I do think when the work is bad, you got to be able to say that, obviously, because it's like how you honor the fact that sometimes work actually is really good is that sometimes it's not or you don't like it. Sometimes it's not. It's hard to say when something's bad, though. There's not a culture of saying that. Well, also, there was a thing, too, where sometimes the execution is bad, but sometimes like the the thing that the person was going for is annoying. And, um, and yeah, then that's also hard. That's double. That's yeah. a double mistake. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and also it's funny though, cause you can do the approach of like, Oh, well we can just, you know, I think a lot of cr- critics now in, in major magazines and newspapers, they just only write praise and there's something that they don't like. They just don't write about it. You can just be silent. But we all know that sort of experience after a show of when someone doesn't tell you good job at the show and you're like, yeah. all right, then I'll take the absence of yeah. comment. Well, you didn't like it. Right. well, that's true. I mean, that's, that's the truth. If someone doesn't say something about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Unless it was so self-evidently good that it's like that, that does go you were saying. killing so hard. Yeah. So that's funny. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything in my own life that was kind of interesting that's happened recently. Um, if you come up with something, you can say it. Otherwise, I can say something that I was really feeling this week. Please. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way that I can bring up the specific thing that happened. Uh, I get. I'll just say this: that I met somebody who. 
uh, worked for Fox News. And in the context that I was in, everyone was like, well, you know, everybody's got to work somewhere. You got to get a job. And so true. in this conversation, everyone was talking about like, oh, the people who work at Fox News actually are mostly liberals and moderates. Like people who people who are at the desks, Tucker Carlson, all those people are real conservatives. But like the people who make the shows happen are moderates and liberals. Or on the switchboard being like camera three. On the switchboard, yes. And just like the support team of like news producers and people who come up with segment ideas and who are we going to interview. Like those people are not. Wait, for real? Yeah, because it's like... is this a fact? This was being said and I also think it makes total sense because it's not like Fox News is headquartered in like Alabama or something. Like... Don't they film in New York or L.A.? Then right, so it's like media people. It's people. media people who are just like get hired to do that media job. Um, and the media <laughs> industry is liberal people. And so it's yeah. like this is liberal people making the conservative new media yeah. show. Um, <laughs> so, I hope Biden gets elected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, switch to camera three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, so pause on that. This happened. And uh, that happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that happened. <laughs> um, Bro, yeah, I just imagine someone who went to Northeastern and they got like a bunch of screens in front of them and they're like, all right, now bring up the great replacement image in three, two, yeah. one. <laughs> like the caravan of Guatemalans and put it yes. on. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. And then I was thinking about, you know, I talked in detail. I described this joke that I've been doing recently about um, I go on a date with this guy who tells me that there's uh, no such thing as good people and bad people. And um, the reveal in this joke is that he's like mansplaining it to me. But that that's actually what I believe. And I already know that and think that, um, which is something that I do. I think about myself that I don't believe that there's good and bad people, that things are really circumstantial and situational and right. it's really complicated. Bad, it's a bad world. Um and then hearing this though i just suddenly had this revelation where i was like wait actually maybe some people are bad and they could ask themselves to try a little bit harder to be good because if you're working a media job like a six-figure media job at fox news and you're a liberal you're perpetuating such darkness in the world and it is not as if you have no other option for how you're going to feed your kids well you have a media a highly professionalized media job there's other jobs i just, don't do that i just i just think it's it depends on what the thing is that you're going for right like we like i don't know for me i couldn't imagine because i'm like well it's media who gives a shit but for someone there's someone out there who's like i my dream is to be the producer of the fucking you know like that's the thing that they've dreamed about their whole life and so building a resume is like so important to them important to them in ways we couldn't understand like i mean and maybe you could because you are in the producing world like a little more but to me i'm like i could imagine if there was like in in comedy or in like you know entertainment like certain things that i that i'd be like oh man if i got offered that like dude of course like, and you know such these people exist but i guess i'm saying i would like people to ask themselves to try a little harder not to do that for pure personal benefit i really think fox news has a bad impact in the world and that if you're someone who really believes in liberalism or is even a moderate you know that and so for you to sort of like set that aside, what you believed, to be like, but I got to do this job. It's good for my career. It's like, can we not ask ourselves to try a little more to live in alignment with what we believe? I think, I Is mean, that so much yeah, to ask? I, I, I agree with you. I guess I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, but I'm like, if you, I don't know, if you work even on like MSNBC and they bring on some like State Department guy to say how we need to like make a no-fly zone over Ukraine. It's like, is that not also a way in which you're contributing to like great sure violence. but i guess i'm just asking people to try a little bit i think that it's a real so you're like there. those people they could be on msnbc they, they could, could be, be on okay. msnbc they could be on nbc 
But like, I don't, yeah, I guess you're sort of getting really into the details of my point when I'm making a look a larger philosophical thing of like, I'm just changing my mind from thinking that, um, oh, people are just sort of victims of circumstance of being like, I so, feel so exhausted of people just being like, well, it's inevitable. I have to contribute to the world in this really evil way. Something I'm gonna do, like <laughs> powers it be, and it's like, wait, but actually, couldn't you though? Try Steve, a little. Steve Smith is in the chat. He's like, would you produce Tim Doan's podcast? <laughs> yeah, my dream is to be a podcast <laughs> producer. <laughs> I would, I would love to set up the mixing An offer board. You can't refuse. <laughs> Finally, Felipe <laughs> receives it. I wish I could be in a room with Tim Dillon watching the levels on the mixer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. booking his guests. Yeah, I guess I just feel like. You know, I, I had this harrowing experience with my health insurance company recently where they just really just dicked me so hard on like getting a filling in my tooth yeah. by telling me that they didn't cover it and that I could just, I all they would cover was just having the teeth removed. Right. I had more than one cavity. So they're just going to rip out a bunch of my teeth. That was what the insurance company was suggesting. Just so insane. And I'm on, uh, what do you call it, Medicaid. Uh, and I just felt so angry. And I was like, oh, wow. And it's funny how this is like a, it's not a victimless crime. It's like the opposite. It's a crime with no perpetrator. There's no single individual responsible yes. right. for this evil that's being perpetuated on the world. And not really on me, but on poor people who then have to get their teeth ripped out because they right. can't pay for fillings. Um, and it just made me really angry. And I was like, oh, there's this kind of common knowledge we all have now that like, oh, the people at the top, the shareholders for that company, they're so far removed from like doing a bad thing that they don't even really know. And it's not really their individual responsibility. They're not making a choice to do a bad thing every day. But I'm like, but people are doing that. People are both at the top, but also at the bottom, like at all places in that, like people are choosing to do things that create darkness yes. in the world. And then maybe I, I feel like I personally would like to raise my expectation that people could try well, a little I mean, harder. Well, well, it's also, I mean, it's the spinality of evil thing, right? Where it's like doing something evil doesn't feel like anything at all. Yes. There's yeah. no like, yeah. I don't think you really get any sort of feeling of like, Oh, this is really bad. Unless maybe it's like you're putting a bullet to someone's yes. head. You <laughs> yeah. know, they talk about how like the people who who worked in like the Einstein group and the people who had to go around like these killing squads, like they would have these like psychological effects happen to them after killing so many people. So of course that would weigh on you, I think, over the years. But like, yeah, there doesn't, f there's no feeling you get by like being an investor in totally you actually get a good feeling at the end of the year and right. you're like that's pretty sick yeah right. i don't know yes it's true and if you are if you live in america number one but also if you're like a middle class person you are you are like sitting on a mountain of so much yeah exploitation that to me it's like it, it would be a little audacious of me. I mean, I understand what you're saying, right? It's like, okay, the, at a certain point, you do you do have to give people agency and to make people responsible for what they do. I definitely agree with that. But yeah. it's like hard hard for me to like take the, the high ground because I'm like, I could think for two seconds about all the different ways that I am like, you know, that we are at the top of this like great turning machine. Totally. Um, but then I guess all the more reason not to, in my mind, to then make more choices to do more evil things. It's like so much has already been done for me by just existing. That's bad. That like, and I'm aware of, and am I really going to use my active choices to also 
just add more shit to that pile of badness. It's like, true. Yeah, I don't know. It just is really like wigging me out that I'm like, gosh, people are so. I just feel this anger that I was like, people can just be so pathetic with their little like, well, there's nothing I can do. It's like, okay, but there's some things. Like, are you serious? It's true. It's <laughs> like, true. It's true. Yeah. Do you think if you had 20 minutes in a room with one of those soundboard operators, <laughs> you'd be able to change their mind? No, because also with the media thing, on the other hand, I do think this thing about like the media bubble is going to burst. There's not going to be enough jobs. There's way there's tons of people that want to be working in media that don't have jobs. So I'm like, there is a sense in which it's like maybe they don't have another choice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, I think yeah. I think everybody, everybody in media, I think even people who are like, make a ton of money and who have really high positions feel insecurity about their wait their what, job what if though what if the fox news job though really good work-life balance <laughs> yeah what if they have really good but that's the thing right they probably don't those people they probably, probably work like 16 hours <laughs> yeah. so like not only are you working for them but you're like oh, i gotta work till eight tonight every night yeah and you're like this fucking sucks and yeah. you're doing that shit yeah totally Sorry, I interrupted you, Sam. You were saying that everyone is uh, insecure about their jobs. No, I, I, I don't know if it's, it's, it's maybe it's not even insecurity is not this, this even a fair assumption to me because we're talking about levels of income that are completely different than people who, you know, make minimum wage and stuff like that. But like people, I was just reading this article where it's like someone was like, oh, like what the a person who produced the um, Key and Peel show. I was looking at someone's LinkedIn person who produced this key and peel show that became a success. So they got promoted. Yes. But if it weren't, wasn't a success, they would have gotten fired Back in the heap. Yes. Yeah. Fired. <laughs> totally. And I'm like, that is crazy that your success and failure like rides on, on this, something as nebulous this sketch as, show yeah, whether or not this hits with people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It completely insane. And I think people get fired. I mean, the, the, the jobs at like mid and high levels of like media, conglomerates like are it's like a rotating door you know yeah people get hired and fired all the time totally yeah i also do feel like i understand what you're saying about you just take the jobs because i already feel this way about like when i became a producer it was like i just want to work on the things that my friends make that i like really like and that's the only extent to which i'm interested in being a producer i'm not trying to get hired by a channel or like make even a, a movie for money that I think isn't good, like what, that's just not of interest to me. But then already at, at this level of like, uh, you know, I just quit my day job and now I am a full-time producer. Like I, I'm taking jobs working on stuff where I'm like, not anything that I think is explicitly bad, but things that I'm like, oh, that's just sort of a neutral. Sounds good. Someone I know is working so on already it. Sounds you've, good. You've compromised like 1% <laughs> One of little, the thing that yeah, you 1%, set out. Well, the stakes are pretty low, but they feel high in the moment because you're like, well, I need the money. So I'm going to do it. Yeah, well, there's, so. it's it's both, right? Like, you can do bad stuff if you're really ambitious, and you can do bad stuff if you're not. Like, when I first moved to the city, I just needed to make money. So, like, I worked for Vice a little bit, and I got fired when Vice, you know. <laughs> and then, but then I worked I worked at an ad agency as, like, an illustrator, and they would just move me around projects. And I, I ended up doing these, like, these, like, social media ads for, like, what bank? Some fucking credit card. And then I ended up doing these ads for like um, the like the shit that you shoot on that you spray on weeds on the ground yeah. to kill the weeds. And then we every time we would post something on Facebook, the comments beneath would be like, "This, this causes is, cancer. This is cancer. Uh, this causes cancer." Well, and I, there was a guy on there was a guy on my team that was like, "Yeah, I'm just responsible for like deleting, deleting these fucking comments or like hiding them." And it was like, you know, it was just a thing of like. 
yeah, I need money this month. This this agency's hiring me. And they're like, we're just putting you on this thing. And what am I going to do there? I'm just going to be like, no, you know. And and again, yeah. like to me, I personally don't feel that strong, you know, strongly about that like pesticide thing. It's not sort of my wheelhouse. But just like, but the fact that I didn't care about the job made me a lot more like flexible to be like, sure, I'll do this for like two weeks. Who cares? And maybe it's different than working at Fox News for like five years or something, you know. But um, it can also be kind of disinterest that gets you to work for, yeah. 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 One, one time I, I had to go give a presentation at the like American headquarters of, of, um, British American tobacco <laughs> and it's in yeah. Virginia. Uh, first of all, this is an old company. Like it, this is a company that was started in like the 1700s. Whoa. You know what I mean? Wow. So it's like insane. It, the tobacco has been around for a long time. And, and so th- at some point they employed st- slave labor. For right? sure. <laughs> for sure. But you went, I went to this, these, these headquarters in Virginia and you can smoke inside. That was like one of the things. And so so they have uh, all these really, really loud vents everywhere because people are smoking inside and you're allowed to smoke inside. And I remember just like being in a suit, sitting in like the waiting room for like getting our IDs checked for security and just being like, this is insane. This is the most insane thing I've done. I can't believe like all my like privilege and the education I've had and all the like um, materials that have gone into like raising this sort of adult that I am have been channeled into this moment where I'm like giving a presentation <laughs> at this tobacco company. Wow. And in your mind, you're like, I want to be a stand up comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. That's interesting That's that they strange. have the vents because that tells me that they know. Yeah. They know you're not they supposed know. to breathe yeah. that yeah. shit in. <laughs> That's funny. Like, yeah. yeah, this is not something people should be breathing. I was looking at Craigslist yesterday because um, I, I probably shouldn't. Ah, I can talk about this on the podcast. Um, I'm vaguely thinking about what if we moved the life world to a more legitimate building than just kind of the back corner of a big room (laughs) what would a more legitimate building be be like a space where it's like that's our space we're not sharing it with a bunch of other random i see people you know like but it does not necessarily mean that you're like getting some sort of accreditation or something you'd still do it but i was just looking at craigslist sorry Um, i don't mean to put you on blast (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, i was looking at craigslist and i was just looking at how there's just so many um warehouse uh, garage spaces in Brooklyn and uh, and like thousands of them being listed within the last week that are for rent. And I just thought, all I need is just one of these guys to decide that for them, it's not about the money. <laughs> 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 they want to do something really cool. And that's all it would take is just one person being like, they don't even have to lose money. Like, I, I mean, I don't really know the exact financial state of like what it means when you own a garage, how much you have to make to make that worth it, what you're paying in taxes, all that. But I just assume that you could rent a space for a lot less than commercially you can get for it and be breaking even or making a tiny bit of money or something. Um, so it's just like, I just need one guy. And then I was like, the culture is just so strong though that people like who are in that business are not motivated by like wanting to do something kind of cool and fun. <laughs> yeah. That like, who knows if I, I messaged every single person on Craigslist who's listed this week, if I would find even one person who would like entertain the idea that they could do that. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, so it was just like an interesting How motive. would you prove to them that it would be fun and cool? <laughs> 
<laughs> what what like list of lineups would you show? <laughs> I have no idea. I would probably be like, oh yeah, John Wilson came once. Yeah, he's the first. Kabe, we get Kabe in the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, it just made me think. Like, I'm just trying to imagine other worlds, other ways the worlds could exist. Like, um, and thinking of like, oh, what about a world where people are more seem motivated by more various things? Well, um, I mean, yeah. I well, think it, you could. You won't know until you email them, right? Because that's the right. Guy that you're working is. with now is like that. Is like that. Is like that. He's awesome for and that reason. I'm like, how many, like, business? How many operations that would pay them a, a lot of money? How many of those really exist? In your mind, you're like, there are people knocking at the door of these of these warehouses to like, you know, make them tons of cash. On the other hand, you're telling me this week like a bajillion went up. I'm totally. Like, okay, so empty. who who has the leverage? Yeah, that's a good question. As a, as a renter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I emailed them and I offered them a tenth of what they're asking for. Yeah. Forced their hand. Yeah. It'll be a tenth of what you're asking it. for, but you'll be at the center of one of the most exciting artistic mm-hmm. operations mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. We know what's hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what we have to kind of offer. And sometimes stuff isn't hot and we just kind of are letting it But incubate. they're nice, and so we have the new yeah. show. <laughs> or they hit us up and we yeah. needed to fill the night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because when I... When I was looking Felipe for that, um, we wanted to rent out a warehouse for a simple town project. I was going around and the stuff, the warehouses that are for artists, like yes. for yeah, yeah, shoots yeah. and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Just really expensive. <laughs> really <laughs> yes. expensive. Like per hour. Unbelievable. Hundreds of prices, dollars. Prices. Hundreds yeah. and hundreds of dollars. They expect like production companies to rent these out for like, like ads. commercial rates. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But then when you go to places where they're like, this is an industrial space that is meant to be like yeah. boxes are meant to be put in it. They're like, the prices are like by month. You know what I mean? They're not, why would you rent this out by hour? That doesn't make sense. Yes. And you can get a way lower price. So it's, it's like conversely, like if you tell people that you're an artist and then you want to use their commercial space you. for that, yeah, it's like <laughs> the, the rent goes up a lot. Yeah. No, it's so funny. Yeah, there was a point where I was I was once producing a short film this is early in living in New York and we needed to film in a house and I was looking at Airbnb and I was finding these Airbnb listings where like, you know, they read a little paragraph about like, you should come and stay in Williamsburg, the heart of artistic Brooklyn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I find ones that specifically were being like, it's artistic. This is an artistic place full of creatives. And I would email them and be like, hey, can I get a discount on using the space to shoot a video? Thinking sort of like, well, if you really like art, yeah, you're all about you're art. You're all about the arts. Like, yeah. can you give me this like cheaper? And rate? then, and then they can update the description of the apartment to say a video was shot here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but they do exactly what you're saying. Then they triple the rate. They're like, oh, you're making a video. In that case, it's actually higher than what it says, you know, online, um, which is really crazy. But then this week, I've been um, contacting churches for a shoot to find a location, and I was really stressed about that. I was like, they're not gonna want to do it. Churches are like a bunch of old people, and they're like. I'm not sure. <laughs> I feel like opposite. But then they've been the opposite because they are, this is what I'm talking about. They're a world that's oriented around something other than money. They're oriented around God. Yes. <laughs> Correct. And they are like being extremely accommodating and being like, yeah, this is our rate for commercial stuff, but we understand that you guys are d- independent. So like we can do less than that and just let us know what the budget is. And then I've just been really explicit with them about like, this is how much money we have. And then they like respond. And you can just really talk to them in this frank way that I find you can't do with other people. Because, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism poisons people. Yeah, exactly. And, and religion is good. It makes and people religion nice. Religion is good. <laughs> <laughs> nice and yeah. understanding. But there's just something sweet about it where I'm like, oh, it's actually, this is a self-selecting community for people who like want to care about something other than 
money and career and job and stuff. And so you can sense that even though I'm not asking them something that really relates to their religion, they're like, well, we're trying to do something a little different here. So yes, that's <laughs> yeah. you can cool. Come here. That's yeah. cool. They don't so have respect on them. Yeah. Or they don't have that like, you know, been taught to like, we need to haggle as much as possible. Totally. We need to like get the best, like we need to get as much this. money as we possibly can. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're a waste of our time and, we're not even going to let you come in for the cheaper rate, even if we're empty, because we don't want to lower what we're worth. Right. Know, yeah. All this kind of like yeah. calculations. that. And I think do. across religions, there's a kind of perennial philosophy at the center of most major religions, which is that you should let people make little videos. Yes. Totally. 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 Something else funny that's random from this video I'm producing. We're shooting also at a horse stable. And in Brooklyn, there are four horse stables. One that does just Prospect Park, you know, trail rides, and they are bankrupt. I think they're gone. Um, so they're just like a building. I don't know what they did with the horses. <laughs> um, oh, no. Um, two that are like on the edge of Queens in Brooklyn, and um, they're like pretty big and fancy. And then one that's like down by like Howard Beach, like Rockaway. Um, and the two that are in Queens, they don't allow filming because of... Um, covid they've like shut down their filming operations so there's one horse stable in brooklyn Whoa. that you can film at you know and there's so many people trying to film in brooklyn <sighs> and uh their rate for renting their to film with their horses is really low and i'm like oh. these motherfuckers do not know they have a monopoly yeah, on they, filming with horses yeah, in, you can, in New York. Yeah, you can't tell them. That's they funny. can't know. If they knew, they can charge whatever they want. <laughs> like, you're not going to get near a horse unless you come down to Jamaica Bay Riding Academy. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's like... Even if, even if you, for instance, in your own life, you have something to give and you're like, well, I don't want to charge too much. But then you find out that you could be charging way more. You just feel demeaned. You're like, <laughs> wait, you I think? could be charging way more for this thing and like getting paid way more. You feel like it's not even about being like greedy or something. It's about being like, well, my this is like my dignity. Like I could be paying, I could be getting paid way more and why aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a funny thing. It's funny, like, when people ask to, like, use Life World to shoot something. Um, I think a lot of times they think that they can use it for free because they're, like, a friend of mine. And I'm like, well, everyone who ever asks is a friend of mine. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we yeah. never make any money. Um, but I feel bad sometimes charging them even $25 an hour or whatever it is um, because I'm like, well, the space was just going to be empty. So is it really so big a deal if you go in there and you film your video for free? No, oh, you got to get shark brain. Yeah, though. but I got to get shark brain about it. It's like, but eventually the schedule is going to be full. Yeah. So we have to already start acting like that, like yeah. live in the, in the future. And it can't be about you, Sarah, giving that's someone the space. It's about <laughs> that's life right. world. That's giving right. someone the that's space. That's right. And life world doesn't have friends. It's a place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How can you have friends? There is there? no God with the almighty dollar <laughs> for life world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have messed with it. What is it? You have messed with a primary memorial forces oh yes <laughs> yeah shekels yen <laughs> rubles <laughs> these are what make the earth turn what is that from it's a movie network ah uh, there's right. this there's this great little yeah monologue in it <sighs> it's funny yeah that's the monologue you should be giving to uh the different people that want to shoot videos at life yeah <laughs> um yeah when Joe Castle Baker and Max Whitter filmed Omakase. You should have. That's what the speech you should have given. Yeah, to them. let me get back end points on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like NFTs on on every resale. We get ten percent of the resale. Yeah. Hmm. Do you? I I have a question. Do you guys, Sam? Do you get this thing that like cryptocurrencies like tanking? I've only heard that. Is it people true? Say that I don't know. You're you're on Twitter, and then people will be like. 
there's a crash coming. A crash is here. They'll show a, they'll show a, a graph, and then all the comments are like, oh, no. <laughs> this happens all the time. For the last, like, five years, I keep seeing people, someone will post a thing, and they'll be like, people don't understand what this means yet. And then in the comments, people are like, oh, no. And then I'm like, what does this mean? And then nothing happens. I'm scared. I got scared when Netflix started losing subscribers. I said, come on, guys. <laughs> come on. Where are you going? Stranger Things. Come on. <laughs> They're making new stuff every day. Did they lose you friends? You don't like what they have? They lost subscribers. Did they lose friends, though? The show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, Netflix lose friends. No, did they lose the show Friends? Uh, I don't think. And The Office? Maybe. Or maybe they did. Maybe that's why people left. I feel like that's what people would sign up. Damn. That's their bread and butter. So that made you scared? That made me There's scared. There's nothing to be scared of. Oh, you don't think? I'm afraid that uh, right now it's easier than ever to get a TV show and me and my friends don't have one. And so what's so going to happen yeah, if it gets a little next? harder? It's true. Yeah, you're yeah. right about that. Well, Because that's what people keep tweeting. It's very annoying. But uh, who's been tweeting this? One of the Duplass brothers and like other people who are like very successful in the industry are like, if if you want to do your thing, now is the time. Like The Bro, opportunities fake. are there. Untrue. Anyone can do it. It's untrue. so mean. This is not true. <laughs> it's not inspiring. It's mean. This is yeah. untrue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's what you say when when you're at the top and you have no clue yeah what it's what it's like. what it's really like i'm never gonna lose sight of what it's like but mm-hmm. I, except i did have this thought of like even when you get really really yeah, famous that's right even when i get really really famous <laughs> even when life world is an extremely institutionalized non-profit yeah life world <laughs> is like a streaming service and also somehow like a like a supply company yeah we're an incubator yeah. <laughs> for venture capital as it pertains to art yeah you're a special economic zone like yeah. in Shenzhen or something like that it's a warehouse yeah. people yeah. moving I'm boxes I'm still gonna be on Instagram answering yeah. DMs from people yeah. who just moved to New York who want to do a stand-up show <laughs> yeah sure uh would july 2nd <laughs> you can hold things in there without it getting tariffed <laughs> yeah or, yeah people come in they can't get extradited if they're inside of life exactly. world they can't get arrested exactly. or extradited. it's funny but i do think i mean i know you want to talk about the cryptocurrency thing and i just keep making it about life world no but please it's funny to me to imagine if i kept doing this for a long time that like eventually i would lose touch like part of the reason why i think this space works right now is just because me and the other people who run it are in a scene and kind of know what's going on and can like right. reach out to people or only a couple degrees removed from whoever we would want to have do stuff there. Um, but it makes me think of like, you get a little bit older and suddenly you don't really know, like who are the comedians who are just like up and coming people in Brooklyn? Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're a really successful person, you don't know who the, the totally. freshest people are. You start to get out of touch or it makes me think of like as a producer, it used to be very easy to find PAs for stuff. Because it was like, yeah, I know a bunch of 22-year-olds. Right. And now already I'm like, okay, does anyone know anyone who like just graduated, who's desperate who will for, work for no money? <laughs> yeah. Totally. I don't who's know desperate anyone to like learn. That. Yeah. And, then, and I don't know anyone, so. And that that's how you, when you see people get, older people get grifted, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a famous producer or someone who's older is like looking for the hot, fresh talent. And then someone yeah. comes around and it's like, And then I, they pick the most mid-person. Yeah. I know yeah. all the 22-year-olds. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know what the solution is to that. I, uh, you guys be on Twitter. You got to Yeah, I think you just got to. I mean, I think social media makes that easier. I know a couple like older people who are like really plugged in. Yeah, you got to be Bob uh, Odenkirk well, on Twitter. Yeah. Props, props <laughs> to someone like, I mean, Drew to me is an example is an example yeah. of a guy who lives in Canada yeah. and he like he knows, knows about me and all my he friends knows and, and he, knows he knows Brian cool, cool people that I don't even know about you know what wait, I mean wait okay wait I went to the ladies who ranch Mike last night and I mean he's gonna be listening but Simeon was there 
like he was drawing cartoons and he was just so there cute. to sit through it and, and it was funny because so like sweet. that mic sometimes is really popping but i think sometimes it's really not popping i heard felipe is gonna be the co-host people didn't go oh so. uh, wait really <laughs> yeah so it wasn't popping um yeah well it, it wasn't yeah, popping it was like none of it's like oh, only a few of our friends were there but it was like a lot of new people mm. and wait what was my point just that he he like he knows about all these on the he knows about <laughs> all these people that i'm like man that person is not famous like we were at a party <laughs> and he's like i can't believe that person's here and i'm like they're not famous that doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. Yo, forget to, about that props to you simeon for doing your damn yeah. research it's that's true. Awesome. we'll be hitting you up awesome. about like booking guests yeah. 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 And, and i saw him and i was like man i really can't believe you're here because again like a mic is like such a thing it's like such a boring like annoying yeah, yeah, place yeah, to be yeah, yeah. and i was like thanks for coming man he's like and he, it was funny he was like oh i did not come for you <laughs> I was like, what, what did you come for well, simian rules yeah yeah i know it was it was very big dick that he said that but um i have to get on a meeting at 10 it's 9 56 i normally wouldn't do this resignation you know i try to give as much time as i can to a podcast but you guys can also wrap it up if, if you want to keep yeah, let's no. wrap it up let's do a little bit of funny <laughs> <laughs> funny stuff in the <laughs> yep. yeah let's wrap it up with some funny shit some i want to finish out the 30 minutes we got like really eight, oh i'm i'm kind left. of my brain's a little feels a little fried oh okay well well, well that's the end that's the end well, didn't we do 30 minutes uh, i mean an hour and an hour minutes. and 20 minutes and that to some people is like 90 minutes bro these next 10 minutes could be fine <laughs> we can clip that put that on youtube yeah dude um yeah dude What's your call about? Um, it's for this video that I'm shooting at the end of the month. Um, and we're just going to talk about it, talk about the shooting schedule. Man, I really got to like, I, and I'm, 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 I'm self-disclosing, but like, I really got to be more on the ball when Simple Town's producing things. Because you don't like it because you show up and you're like, ah, this isn't what I want. No, <laughs> I just like the production aspect. I like, I kind of. I kind of check out a little bit and it's not good and other people do it and I think they're good at it and I, maybe I'm good at other things but sometimes we'll be talking about like getting actors getting props and stuff and I'm just like on another planet it's really hard for me to like that's funny for some reason my brain's like I just don't want to think about this right mm. you're more of like a writer kind of conceiver of the yeah, idea exactly <laughs> but you just kind of let people sort of do the boring no, work <laughs> it's, it's bad it's bad but sometimes I do it's like hard and I, I'll find myself in a meeting and I'm like focus 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 and then like two so five minutes will go by and then I'm like well everyone else has got it so well that's why we do meetings on zoom now so, so you that can, you can you can check twitter <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> anyways yeah. it's just something I would like to be better at and I recognize that I have yeah. a hard time with it I would like to be um better at listening i've been finding myself recently like a lot of times hearing someone talking and then just like totally logging out while they're talking and then asking a question to try to get them to repeat what they just said because realizing that i didn't hear it and then immediately checking out again <laughs> and not hearing it the damn. second time around and i'm yeah. like damn that's really uncool well are you still <laughs> depressed um i'm definitely anxious yeah. i'm out of my withdrawal period i'm about to get on some new shit though so watch it watch out that's the best it's like you want to get go through the entire withdrawal period then start up again then wean off go through another entire <laughs> withdrawal period don't yeah. interrupt the inter just do the entire right. withdrawal period yeah we all have bad habits i think what's your bad habit um i think when i'm in a bad mood i'm a little tiffy and can get mean well it's oh. funny i i thought the saturday was a great example because i suggested a thing about process when we were talking about something and it, and it was like a total bomb i was like i shouldn't have talked about this we should have just i should have just suggested 
how we do the next scene. She was just an actual idea. <laughs> actual idea, but instead I suggested like a, a meta idea. A meta idea. For how we and can process fucking, ideas. She took out the she, gun and she executed dude, she, me. I right remember away. that. Moment. It was so funny. Wait. She just went like, oh, "Well, I don't know why we would do that." Wait, well, what was know. it? What was the idea? And this guy was sitting right fucking there. He was zoned the fuck was out. Like, not we were talking about Ian. Was like, "Yo, can we like?" make a plan for how the actor, when the actors get here, can we have a plan for how we shoot this? And I, I suggested maybe two or three of us could do that instead of all of oh, us, yes. because it'll take longer if we all do it. And people kind of ch- check out if they don't feel like they have a specific role they have to have. Yeah. So and it's I like, was checked out. Even it's then. a long, <laughs> right. It's a lot. It makes the conversation longer. And then no one really owns having to like keep the schedule. So like, you you spend time just like updating yep. people who don't need yep. to be updated about yep. what's going to happen yep. next. So I was like, let's just have two people do this, maybe three. And then Caroline was like, I don't know why we would do that. Yep. I remember yep. just being Shut like, down. I was like, so I was like, funny. yeah, I should have just suggested a, an idea rather than a process idea. Yeah, she she put me in a body bag. All right, goodbye, Grey's Nation. Okay, Felipe and Sam, we're gonna take care of you guys. So. Don't even worry about it. And I'll see you next week. Sam, let's just do five more minutes. Five more minutes. Yeah. All right. Bye, Sarah. Bye. I'm going to turn off her microphone. Um, I think you will. I think that Will and I make fun of you for this when, when you're, you haven't like really been listening to something and then you like come into the conversation. You're like, okay, let's just, can we just lay out all the options on the table? Because like, I just, I think we should all be really clear about what's going on. So option one, wait, we wait, do wait, this wait. option okay, okay. two. It's sometimes, like, bro, we all know the options. Sometimes when I'm not listening, I will ask for clarifying. And sometimes I will do that. But, Laying out the options is a thing. Okay. Do you remember when we were in LA? We were having a real hard time figuring... It was on our last day. We were having a hard time figuring out what we were going to do. And I swooped in with the option enumerating technique. And everyone was quite thankful. I actually don't... What was it about? We were sitting in that bar. About where to go to eat. About where to know what to do for our last couple hours. Oh, okay. Do you remember yes. this? Yes. And yes, I enumerated yes. the options, and everyone breathed a sigh of relief. They said, "Wow, Felipe has given <sighs> thank us a tool thank you for doing the options <laughs> thing." <laughs> so sometimes enumerating the options can be good, and sometimes I do. It. I think when I don't listen, what I do is I just ask for someone to say that thing again. Well, I think sometimes you do it in multiple contexts, and sometimes I'm like, "Oh, the group really needs this. This would be helpful." But then sometimes I'm like, "Oh." how Felipe stays checked into a conversation, like how he thinks about what a decision he wants to make is he speaks his thoughts out loud. Yes. So he's not actually doing this for anybody. He's doing this for himself. Correct. It's for him to stay involved in the conversation. Yes. Oh yeah. And so in that sense, it's like, it's a, it's a sort of selfish thing in the sense you're like, oh, in order for me to like be in this conversation, I need to give a really long speech <laughs> about what are all the things we could do. And, and it like, I think it slows it down sometimes, I but see. that's okay. I think I agree. I think wrapping up is a great skill and like r- taking a conversation and being like, okay, here are the things at play here is a great skill. And, and often it is needed. So I, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the other, cause then the other solution is just like, I'm checked out. I have this memory of like, um, my family growing up, we would, 
we would like travel a bit because my dad was a pilot, but we always had these tickets that were standby tickets. So we weren't getting on the plane for sure. We only got on the plane if there was space, which meant that often our traveling experience was like really hectic because Oof. we were getting to a gate, not knowing if we would get it. And then if we didn't get on, we sometimes had to run to a different gate, which sometimes meant going out of security and going back in through security to like go to a different gate uh, okay. or we're like yeah, running like different from section of the airport. Like it was this really like complicated logistical task. Um, and so often it was very hurried. Um, you know, one time we like went to the airport for like four days in a row trying to go to Argentina and then Oof. we didn't end up going because we couldn't get on a plane. Anyway, so that's all just to say. And like there are, my dad is like a really um, kind of big personality and sort of like can can have a short fuse and my sister can also sometimes have a short fuse. And so I think in those situations, a technique that I would that I would employ would be to like basically turn my brain off and just like, I'm just going to listen to what you need me to do, but I'm not going to like uh, make any opinion, give any right. opinions. I'm not going right. to talk. I'm not going to do anything. Sometimes it would be bad because then I'd start reading and then they'd be like, come on, you got to be focused. Yeah. But it was just like, oh, this is like so stressful that I just, it's yes. easier for me to just be on like uh, automatic. Yes. Automatic it's a trauma. Mode. It's a trauma it's response. It's a trauma response. <laughs> it's a trauma response. So sometimes we'll be on the shoot and I'm just that. like, and but on the shoot, sometimes there is a lot of arguing and I'm just like, I don't, I don't even have the energy to like propose an idea. I'm just going to like do yeah. whatever people want to do. Of course. Of course. And yeah. Well, so, that helps me understand it more. Yeah. I mean, I'm a youngest child of four. So I, I recognize that thing of being like, oh, what this, pe- this decision making process needs is less people in it, yeah. not more. So I'm just going to check out and right. just do what I'm told. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, another scintillating episode of Raisin Man Arena. Um, I think we're ready. We just did the hour and a half. Great. All right. We love you guys. Tell your friends about the podcast. Next time you're listening, bring over all your friends. That's a good idea. Tell your friends about the podcast. Share, Share it. Share it with a friend and go, this was a great episode. They talked about... um, a uh, 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 a DIY performance space in Brooklyn that I've never been to. Exactly. So you might and be interested. A in Patreon it. I don't subscribe to, <laughs> exactly. and a comedy group that I've seen one video of, and a set of friendship dynamics of which no, none of the people I know, <laughs> no one I know, is in it. <laughs> yeah. So tell your friends about that, and um, have a good day. Raisin Man Arena.